Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello friends, I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines Commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. honest with you I, I suffered really badly with anxiety and depression um, I, I'm ex-forces and I'd had a lot of help from a for an organization called Sapper who are a veterans charity so it really was an absolute no-brainer to, to, to give back some of the stuff that they've given to me and we're doing really well so far so yeah it's just perfect the more that I got into the journey the more people heard about it people have been helping me with food they've been helping Jet with food it's really lovely to see the kindness that you know, we're receiving. I never expected any of this when I started. I thought I was going to be living off bugs for the next two years. <laughs> Chris, how are you, brother? I'm very well, Chris. Nice to speak to you, pal. Yeah, it's good to finally catch up. We've been sort of passing ships, but um, under the current climate and also with what you're doing, it's hardly surprising, is it? I know. It's nice to be somewhere I've got a bit of signal and Wi-Fi that I can do this with you, mate. <laughs> yes. It seems like you've been taken in by good people quite a lot from what I can see. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I've got to be honest with you, mate. I, I, I'd a little bit lost my faith in humanity before I started this, but I can promise you for free that that's completely restored. Folks have just been unbelievable. Um, you know, I'll give you an example just to do this today. Somebody was, uh, I asked somebody, look, can I borrow your house because it was too stormy outside? So, yeah, within five minutes I was picked up and here I am. So, yeah, people are just amazing. Brilliant. And how's Jet? Is it, is it called, your dog's called Jet? Yeah, yeah, Jet, she's absolutely fine. She's sitting down here in a hump with me this morning because I haven't fed her yet. So she's going to have to wait till after. <laughs> yeah, as long as she doesn't uh, sue the podcast and uh, <laughs> it will be all right. So can we just go back, Chris? Um you were in the paras, is that what I understand? Yes, yes, that's right. I'm next to para. Okay. How 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 was all, how was your military career? Well, mate, I didn't really do very long compared to most. Um, I was in for eight years, and but I ended up going over to Northern Ireland um, on a compassionate because my my but my wife at the time wasn't very well at all. So, you know, like everybody, mate, I had a great great time whilst I was in. Um, you know, and the lads more than anything, I just love them. <laughs> And then did you, were you like me, did you sort of feel it was time to move on and there's sort of new horizons? Well, I had a good reason. My, my daughter was newly born um, and me, me and my wife had split up. So, you know, I was really keen to get custody of Caitlin at the time. So all of my energy and effort was on that. And obviously that would have been really difficult for me to do. Um, at the time I was on tour, I was in Palace Barracks in Northern Ireland. So I knew that I would not have had a chance. So, you know, I had a really good reason to, to get out um, and a purpose, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that's exactly what I did. Palace is in, it's in Belfast, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just outside. Yeah. Well, yeah, Belfast, Bangor, sort of there. I seem to remember oh. when I was, I was in Belfast in 89. Wow. 
back in the back in the good old days, or the, yeah, 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 the, yeah. the bad old days, depending on which way you look at it. Yeah, they weren't throwing around sherbet then, were they? No. <laughs> we used to get picked up in the in the in the I think it was a four tonner, and then they they would take us to Palace Barracks for some reason. I know it's we had to pick more people up and then go to the airport, but yeah, I do I do remember it. Yeah, I see. I, I've been back since. Um, I actually went and walked that section. I went and did Northern Ireland. It was quite surreal seeing it, you know, from a civilian point of view, <laughs> not down the limestone road. Yeah. Did you feel any? I mean, I'm guessing when you were, were there, it, things had calmed down somewhat since since 1989, right? Oh, absolutely. I, but my first tour there was, I think, 97. Just I, I don't know whether that was just before um, the, the actual peace process came in. So don't get me wrong. It was still, you know, from, from my point of view as an 18 year old, slightly hairy going out into some of the riots, especially on the 12th. But yeah, nowhere near as bad, I assume, as what it would have been you know, when the when the troubles were bad. <laughs> yeah, I've been invited back over there. Um, I have you. You should do it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to meet up with some former sort of IRA guys and, yeah, yeah. you know, get the other side of the, 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 the sort of story. Absolutely. Um, That's great. But my producer wants me to go back on our old sort of p- patrol grounds, you know, <laughs> <laughs> walking around switching. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm scared of anything, but I think there's a fine line between being scared and being stupid. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and I remember the, the bitter hatred that that we face. I'll make no judgment on that, folks who are listening. It's just the way it was, and of course. Yeah, I can't see that going. <laughs> I can't see that go, going away anytime soon. So, but you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because um, I've often, you know, I've actually spoken to people because I lived there for a while, and I actually spoke to people about that kind of stuff. You know, even from the other side, and you know, when when you look at it from their perspective, you know, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> you know, it really does. That's what I feel, anyway. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing about the military, isn't it? When you're young, you get you get told one side of a story, and Exactly. You haven't got any life experience to compare it to. Exactly. Peace, everybody, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love. <laughs> I would say we're, we're old hippies now, but you, <laughs> you, you actually look like one, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. I'll tell you what, it's protecting me up here from the midges. They're great for, for winter, obviously, to stop your face freezing off. Um, and then, yeah, great for the, the summer to get the midges away because they are horrific. Mm. Absolutely horrific, especially up here on the west coast of Scotland. It's borderline not funny, mate. No, I bet. I've spent quite a bit of time in Norway, and there's a lot of lakes up there, obviously. Oh, lovely. Lake water being the breeding ground for mozzies, and my yeah. God. Yeah, it's not funny, is it? Savage. Absolutely. I remember we actually came up for an exercise once years ago. It must have been about 2000 or something, and we came up to Scotland. And I, and I kid you not, um, I, I don't think the entire battalion was there, but I think it was about 20 seconds before, after we got out with the four tonners and jumped straight back in the four tonners because the boys were just eating midges and flies, thinking, what's this all about? <laughs> yes. So do you want to tell us, um, tell us what your challenge is, Chris, just so everyone's aware of it, and then let's delve into what made you decide to do such a, a, such a brave thing. Okay. Okay, so... Basically, the challenge I'm doing is I'm walking around the entire coastline of the United Kingdom. I started on the 1st of August, 2017. Um, 
you know, I'll be perfectly honest with you, um, Chris, I, I didn't plan any of this. So there, there was no plan to it. It was a split decision one day um, and, and a couple of days later I was gone as, as soon as I rallied around the kit. So, yeah, it was very impromptu and you just go and do it. And, and I needed to at the time because I was in a bad place. Um, you know, I, I suffered really badly with anxiety and depression. And, yeah, I knew that if I didn't do something about it soon, um, you know, I was going to have real problems. So, yeah, I just done one, basically. <laughs> Literally. And a very good, um, a worthwhile charity, isn't it, Safa? Oh, Safa are amazing. I mean, they, they were so good to me, um, Safa. David Sinkletree, he's head of South Wales Safa, um, and he was so incredibly good to me. It was unbelievable. And, you know, to do this walk was a, a, very much a personal thing, but, it, you know, it was an absolute no-brainer to do it for Safa, just to give something back to them. Because, Chris, I'm no war hero or anything like this. I didn't really do much compared to... To most of the lads that I, I, I was in in with but you know seeing some of the troubles they've had um you know really made me feel a sense of guilt getting help from Safa considering I hadn't done half the stuff that they had so yeah um yeah the two, the two work perfectly together and it seems to be working amazing and Safa is still always in touch with me and helping me whenever I need it so yeah they're a wonderful organization I love them. yes and for any of our oppos out there if you're struggling with mental yeah. health with financial difficulty reach out and get in touch with them because absolutely and you know they were the first um charity organization that, that were just so personal as well because i wouldn't speak to anybody chris i mean i wouldn't even speak to any of my family but bless dave Sinkletree, he, he was knocking my door making sure i was okay he was probably the only person that i'd open the door to so that kind of personalness about it you know eventually got me to open up and i agree with you you know the hardest step is making that first step and i think that's in anything you do so, yeah, absolutely. Get in touch with them and you'll be surprised how much they can help. Just being around people that can relate is, is a huge, huge difference. And, and, you know, people aren't on their own, are they? Yes, I've reached out to them three times in my life. And uh, wow. it's um, I wouldn't say life saving on all three occasions, but it certainly was pretty life enhancing the, the first time I reached out. That's um, it. It's just knowing that there's people there, isn't there, that, like I said, that can relate to you. That, that's a big, big difference. And when I left the army, Chris, I um, I didn't keep in touch with anybody. I didn't know anybody. Um, I didn't know anybody at all. So I kind of, yeah, it's only since I've been back in touch with Safa that all of a sudden I'm rekindling that relationship with all my old friends from the forces. And it's, it's quite marvellous, to be honest. It really is. Yeah, it's worth noting, Chris, when you when you when you're in Civvy Street and and you and you're not feeling right up top things like signing forms getting a benefit paying you more it, it can suddenly seem so unmanageable can't it oh totally it's, it's a different world isn't it <laughs> and then it's you different. get this um former service person who will be a volunteer with Safa or the british legion steps into your life and immediately you just you're talking the same language and it's and it's come on son let's get you you know let's get you on your feet again and exactly that and you know i've been to a lot of things like breakfast clubs um there's lots of military clubs like that around the uk coastline that i've been walking and just immediately when you walk into that building with say like 20 30 other guys you know they're all there just to beast each other and take the mick out of each other kind of that banter i personally on a personal level um i didn't feel you get much of in a, in a civilian life um not a lot of people got me <laughs> but yeah as soon as you walk into that room with, with a group of people that are like-minded all of a sudden it brings you straight back down to earth and it's wonderful and yeah i'd advise anybody to make the effort to go and do these sort of things because it really is life-changing if you're in a bad place yes really 
So I'm going to pick up on a point you made, Chris, which is I, I get asked a lot by people, Chris, I want to do a challenge. I want to do it. What, what do I do? And I said, just do it. Right? Yeah, basically as simple as that. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware, but in 2018, I ran the length of the UK. I, I ran, oh, wow. Yeah, I ran um, an ultramarathon day from John O'Groats to Land's End, uh, carrying all my, my Bergen full of camping gear. That's amazing, Chris. But this is the thing I get uh, people approach me, oh, Chris, what do I did? I said, look, I put a Bergen on my back. I bought an air ticket. I got out at John O'Groats, checked my compass. I didn't even, I, the only map I had was five pages that I'd torn from an AA road map, right? <laughs> my compass pointed that way, so I just started running. <laughs> and yeah, you'll figure it out. But the, the big thing there, isn't it, is how many of us don't follow our dreams because we we get put off or distracted by other people's views or the pressures the pressures of paying the bills this sort of stuff you're, you're so right you know other people's views will only be on the way that they base themselves so you know i have so many people on this please don't walk that part of the coast it's so dangerous it's so dangerous and if i'd have listened to them i would have messed up half of it but Actually, you know, people are different and it's lovely that they care and they've got their opinions and views. But the second you start listening to that, I think people are setting themselves up. Fear and, and failure, to me, um, I, I don't understand why, why they're two things that you know, I look down upon. Failure is so important. I mean, how are you ever going to learn? I've always had that quote that when you're first born and you first start to, learning to walk, we didn't get up the first time, did we? So, so nothing changes, you know, if you keep that kind of just keep fighting spirit and yeah, I think fear and failure are two of the most important things that have made me successful in this, being scared of it um, and not being scared of failing because all I'm going to do is learn from it. And it's important to keep going after that. That's, that's where you grow and learn. That's what I believe anyway. Um, yeah. I, I yeah, it's funny you say that. I'm probably the biggest failure I know, but that's also, <laughs> Same here. That's also why I've achieved all my dreams, you know? It's, it's... Exactly. But, you know, I think modern day life as well, it, you know, when you've got a home, you've got a family and, you know, you've worked hard to get all of these things. It's not an easy thing to turn around and risk all of that to go and follow a dream. But, you know, it goes back to that old saying once again, isn't it? I'd rather spend my entire life failing at something that I love than succeeding at something I hate. Um, and, yeah, I think there's so much truth in that. So much. Yeah, I like the Gurk. Is it the Gurkha motto? What is it? Something like better to live one day as a lion than, than a lifetime as a coward. Love it, love it. I'm going to write that one down, Chris. I'm going to write that one down. Yeah. <laughs> make sure, make sure Jet understands it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's a lion, all right. She's she's a dog in a lion's body. This one. <laughs> Talking about people getting involved, right? I I had this distinct thing on my my track where some people got involved because they genuinely wanted to help you, and 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 they were at my beck and call. I mean literally yeah. it's just like tell me what to do other people got involved and you you couldn't help feel it was more for like their agenda or they want a cheeky photo or something well <laughs> it, it's just like right what you're gonna do i've got you this food you're gonna go and have a bath and i'm like i don't want a hot bath i want ice i need ice my knees are killing me right, right? Right. i'm so with you so with you yeah, I, I, again i think they're just trying to be nice but I think that's the whole point of, of getting away and doing something like that, isn't it? Is to not feel that you have to be somewhere, have to do something, have to do this. You know, for, for once when you'd like, you know, yourself doing your journey, that um, 
you're suddenly just on your own. Your decisions are yours. You can't blame anybody else for any bad decisions. It's your call. So I think I feel it's a lot easier that way. But yeah, I've had it so many times, Chris, where folks have just tried to organize your life for you, not realizing I think that's exactly what we're trying to get away from. <laughs> just winging it is a wonderful thing. <laughs> and the other thing, I, sorry, go on. The, the other thing, isn't it, is um, so where are you going to be? Like, Three weeks yeah. on a Tuesday. <laughs> Fucking no. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going to be this afternoon, mate, let alone there. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what makes these journeys so amazingly uh, yeah, spiritual, I think would be the word. Um, you know, it, like I said, it's just having that freedom and, and they're not caring too much and they're not organising. Life can be so planned, can't it? And oh, there's no fun in that ever, is there? There's no fun in that at all. And um, all the people that I've met since I've been doing these walks, I've met multimillionaires that have given most of their money to charity and just bought a little yacht and, and live on their boat just going from one place to another and foraging and you know the different types of characters and people and it all comes down to one thing that the, the you know folks chasing money and all this kind of stuff and I understand that I've been there and um, at the end of it all you know it's just numbers at the end of the day and you're always going to be chasing it but actually that real sense of purpose and and, and pride I think comes in doing something that you really have to push yourself at and, and maybe have a good chance of failing at it um so, yeah, I think this is why me and you are talking. <laughs> and it's quite surprising, is it? The number of things that can go wrong or, or the, the challenges you face. But you do find a way around them. Of course, every time. Every, well, I think you know, it very much depends on the character, doesn't it? Uh, you nailed what you said there, you know, things going wrong and thinking about it. And that's why I left so soon, because I know that if I started thinking, right, what happens when I get up to Scotland to the wild part? You know, I've, I'm doing this unfunded, so I never expected the love and support that I'm getting, but if I'd have thought too much into it, I probably wouldn't have left. Probably wouldn't have left. I think if you have a, if you have a real goal or a real dream, then just go and do it. I think that's the only, only way. Don't think too much about it and hit the hurdles hard when, when you hit them and, and just get over them. Simple as that. You will eventually. Yes. As as you keep going. And so where did you start from? So I started from Swansea. Um, in South Wales and basically started heading north. This is how unplanned it was. The only reason I started heading north when I got onto the beach because I saw, I'm a surfer, and I saw down at the end of the beach that there was some swell. And I know a couple of the boys that were in the water, so I thought, oh, I'll go down and see them before I go. And that's the only reason I turned right. <laughs> there was no plan at all. So I just kept heading that way. To, um, come up through, obviously, Dun Wales, come up through the west coast of England, the Lake District, into Scotland. Um, and that's where it really began for me. Um, once I started hitting past sort of like Glasgow area and, and getting into the more barren parts, um, yeah, that's when things really started changing and this became more of a challenge than, than, than running away from something. Well, that's a good, that's a, it's good that you went that way because that means you've got the Southwest to yet to do, right? Yes, well, I'm, I'm on the East Coast now. So I only turned the corner from the North Coast um, probably 10 days ago. So I'm on the East Coast heading towards Inverness now and everything's changing. You know, I'm already starting. Inverness is going to be the first city that I've been in um, for over two years because obviously I've been doing all of the islands as well. Glasgow, Glasgow was the last one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm not too sure of the, the coastline up there because I came down the west side of Scotland. So I came down Loch Ness and um what a beautiful place. Loch, Loch, oh it's stunning, Stirling and all that kind of area. Very um got quite risky because obviously I had minimal kit to keep warm and, and dry. Yeah. Coming through the Highlands, 
there was one time I just had to run 80 miles non non-stop literally because th there wasn't even a tree to shelter behind had it got into any difficulty <laughs> um but uh yeah Inverness is that is that because of the shape of Scotland because I would have thought that was uh west coast but no no actually well some people say west some people say east but i'm on the east coast now and my next city's in Venice. so <laughs> okay um, a lot of people argue but you know the way the coast works once you come down it takes you into Inverness and then continues uh, yes the west coast opposite Inverness would be somewhere like fort, fort william yes that's right yeah that's the way i came how was it at, uh, john O'Groats then was that a sort of good moment for you it really was, you know, to, certainly to be turning east, but, uh, you know, the, the islands have been the serious highlight for me in the west coast of Scotland. They, they've just been absolutely unreal. You know, we spent winter, um, you know, camping out in Shetland, which was probably the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. But having, you know, having finished those islands and getting it was extra special to get to, to get to John O'Groats because I'd been thinking about it for a long time, you know, especially coming up the west coast and... Um, thinking, oh, just think of that day when you get there, the hard, the, the physically hard part is, is going to be over. Um, so yeah, it was a very special moment. And I was really fortunate. I had people there to come and meet me. Um, I had locals coming off the ferry to come and meet me off the ferry to welcome me back to the mainland. So yeah, I, to be honest with you, I don't think it's actually something, I've been so focused on heading north for so long, but yeah, to think that I'm heading into the warmth is, is, is quite unreal, really. <laughs> yes, and it's stunningly beautiful up there, isn't it? Yes, I've never, I'd never been to the west coast of Scotland before. I have to the east, um, and yeah, it really is just something else. I would advise anybody to go there. I don't think they realise what's on their doorstep, especially the Hebrides and Shetland and Orkney. It's, it's just something else. Yeah, very special places. I've been burying stuff along the coast um, as an excuse to go back and pick it up when I finish. So, <laughs> so what um, what kit did you take? Like what? When I first started, um, I was completely unorganised. I didn't have anything really. So I was literally, like I got a pair of boots off my brother and somebody lent me an old tent. Um, Dom, his name is, an old tent, but it actually had a hole in the top of it. So it was terrible, basically. What I first started out with, you know, if, if anybody who knew what they was doing, because they looked at my gear, they would have probably given me a lift back home and said, don't even think about it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I just had the basics. And I, I know I've always kept it that way. Um, but obviously as the walks progressed, you know, people have just been amazing and wanted to, to sponsor me better stuff, especially doing the parts that we're doing. In fact, we've just had a new tent brought for us now. Um, so, yeah, the, the kit's much better now than it was when I first started. But, uh, you know, you, you start with nothing, don't you, to, to eventually get what you need. A tent with a hole in it, that's called a bucket, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Oh, coming through Wales, mate, it was horrible. I just... Obviously, I didn't have jet at the time, so every time it rained and it was a wet summer, it was just coming through the roof. And I remember trying to pitch onto a slant so that the water would run down. So I, it was horrible. But yeah, now I look back on it, it was absolutely amazing. You know, great fun, great character building, as they say, Chris. Yes, mate. Yes, I was quite conscious, obviously, of weight. Um, yeah, same now. So I, I probably well i spent a fair bit of money really to try to get the lightest stuff i could it was silly things yeah, you were I, running that's a different ball game isn't it yeah it, it was and as it progressed i suddenly understood what it was i was doing and what I, where i needed to be in this whole thing at the beginning right. you don't really know do you you just set yeah. off and you're a bit naive 
I'd um, I think it was about 15 kilos I was running with and I hadn't run anything not even like I think I ran a mile around the block my my hat is off well I didn't have a choice because I just had spinal surgery so I'd been wow disabled for, for pretty much two years right and it's a bit of a story I won't go into I'm trying to finish my book at, at book about it at the moment but um I just saw a window of opportunity I was fed up with waiting my first flight I had to to, to cancel because I you know popped this disc in my spine and this, I didn't want to leave it you know two years I think it was and so I booked a flight but I was like um looking at my cooker shield, this aluminium foil thing, you know, that you put around your cooker. And that weighed probably, I don't know, let's say 50 grams, 100 grams. And then I realized you could get one from China that weighed four four and a half grams, you know, and I was doing all of this. And when I came back, when I left, I said to my little boy, can you give daddy a toy that I can take with me to keep me come, you know, keep me, um, cut, cut, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the companion, you know, to yeah, yeah. company, company, that's yeah. it. And so he gave me like, Wolf- a, like a Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one was called Wolfie. It was a little, um, it was a little Husky that I bought him. I think in Slovakia, Slovakia or somewhere and or Slovenia was it, I think. And uh, it was one of these one little doggy and it was filled, filled with the, the beans that they put in now, you know, yeah. like the little yeah. beans. So they sit like a bean bag sort of thing. That's brilliant. And to give you an idea of how much weight I had to shed and really start taking it seriously, especially as I had a shin splint halfway down a country. So basically for people listening, that's a stress fracture in my right shin. It's horrible. Yes. Very painful. Um, but when I got to Land's End, I took, I took Wolfie out of my, he was on the strap of my backpack. I pulled him off and gave him to my little boy as we ran the last hundred meters together. Oh, that's amazing, Chris. And he looked at Wolfie and went, Daddy, he's lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking the <laughs> I, I I still am I still am, I had the heart to tell him I had to empty all the beans out of Wolfie. <laughs> There's about twenty oh, grams man. worth of beans in there. That's why you should have buried stuff, Chris. You can go back and get them then. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true the psychology of it, and <clears throat> psycho you know psychology of it, and you know it, the littlest thing can start to bug you it's when it starts to hurt. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, when it really starts to hurt and you think, why am I carrying this? Why am I carrying that? And just flinging it all the hell. You end up with just a skeleton of what you actually need. And I don't know about you, but for me personally, it, all I ever carry is, is, is for an emergency. That's it. Um, anything else. I carry no electronics apart from a charger and my phone and anything else. I've just stripped everything down. <laughs> Honestly, I, yeah, I'd cut my beard off if it wasn't for the midges just to save a bit of weight. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up with... I had one change of clothes. That was, no, no, I didn't have a change of clothes. I had the clothes that I wore. Um, and because I was popping pain medication and I was drinking, washing it down with rum, which of anyone listening, I don't recommend you do. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I had to. I wasn't going to fail. You know, there's just no way I was. I couldn't fail. And so I had to run with a broken leg for 400 miles. Wow. But by the time I, 
I got to Land's End, boy, all that, all of those chemicals was coming out of my pores and I stunk, like, really, <laughs> really badly. <laughs> if, someone, if someone had a headache, just give you a lick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, I, was, I was probably, I uh, should have been in a farm, on the shelf in a pharmacy by that, by that stage. But if you um, go back to what you said, Chris, it's so right, isn't it? It's, if, you, if you'd have thought about that before you'd started and all the what-ifs and stuff like that, the f- fact of the matter is you did whatever you had to do to, to get you through it, and now we're sitting here talking about it, and you achieved it. Um, amazing, mate. I, I'm really chuffed, honestly. Massive yeah. fist bump for that. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. I, I had to say thank you to my friend Colin, because um, one of the messages that I saw on Facebook, he went, Chris, if you finish this, you can dine out on it for the rest of your life. <laughs> that's nice that is and that was the one thing i thought i can can't i was i was thinking about the after dinner speeches and the and you know all the motivational stuff and yeah there could actually be a career here and it's kind of the you know it's, it's certainly gone that way that that's way. amazing so yeah. do you do a lot of chats and stuff like that like, like inspirational talks well i had a, a i had my first few wrapped up i mean i've done it i've i've done a um I've done a few, but I was really getting into it with these public speaking companies. Um, although that's probably not the right word for them these days. But <laughs> but then, of course, this current uh, situation developed, and um, obviously everything has been wiped off the off sure. the calendar. Sure. But it's all it's all good. I'm I'm not complaining because I can talk through the internet. It's yeah. again, it's been it's been good for my career, really. That's incredible, mate. Well, you kept going. A lot, a lot of people, I, I, I know some myself in lockdown and stuff like this, they just immediately admitted defeat. Um, you sound a bit like myself, mate. I just got busy and, and started raising more money and stuff, you know, just approached it the proper way. Mm. That's not, not bad for a bootneck, that, Chris. Definitely. <laughs> well, we, we do our best, mate. I, I had to get that in there, mate. I had to get it in there. <laughs> I haven't had a power on the podcast yet that hasn't felt the need to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to beast me, mate. Feel free. <laughs> I was slag. I was. I was. I was almost slagging the Paris last night when I talked to Robin Horsfall, who people might know was uh, in the Iranian embassy siege as an SAS trooper. And yeah. of course, I'm forgetting he was a para before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched, that, I watched that film with uh, Rusty Rusty Furman. Um, six days was it? Yes. Yeah, I watched that. It's a great film. Yes, it's um, yeah. If you, I was old enough to remember it. I was I think I was ten. Um, it was just like you'd never seen such a thing. These black men suddenly appearing yeah. on a balcony on an embassy in London, and they're coming down with ropes, and suddenly the huge explosion, and you thought, oh, the the bad guys have just blown blown them up, but it wasn't. It was the other way around. It was yeah, like, yeah. Forcing that must have been something else to watch at the age of 10. But, but I, I was actually born um, on the 6th of May, um, 1980, when that, when that was done. <laughs> wow. Yes. So, yeah. And this is the thing about following your dreams. Is, um, you know, did I know then when I was 10, I would be sat here chatting to a, an SAS trooper who was in that. Exactly. Um, that, that's incredible. It's, it's a little bit of a life slap, isn't it? It's kind of, yes. Yes. You know. I, it just makes me really happy, you know. Yeah, really? and that's success, isn't it, mate? That's success. Mm-hmm. Have you had any in- injuries, Chris? I have um, n- nothing majorly bad. I, I bust my ankle coming through Isla, um, which is an island in, in the Hebrides, and 
uh, I had to make my own little crutch because I was quite a, a distance to get near to any roads or anything. So what would have normally taken me probably, you know, four or five hours ended up as a two day jaunt to get back um, and then, then got taken to obviously get it sorted. I had one uh, on Barra, which is an island. It's where the, um, it's the only plane that lands on a beach in, in the Hebrides. Um, there, Jet's dog ball come round and hit me in the face and knocked me clean out. Um, but it had split one of my teeth and the tooth had gone down into the nerves, basically. I, I had nothing on me apart from whiskey. Um, so I pitched the tent and it really was horrid. I was crying, crying like a, you know, a two year old. Um, and yeah, I just, I necked the whiskey and I had a rabbit snare at the time because I've been catching rabbits for food and stuff. And yeah, I just used the rabbit snare. I actually videoed it, it's on my page. Um, so yeah, I had to pull my own teeth out, which wasn't very nice, but you know, worse things have happened, I suppose. It was only afterwards I realized how drunk I was after licking the whiskey. <laughs> I just laid there like this. <laughs> oh, feeling proper Tom Hanks. Yeah, well, that'd be a good, um, a good paragraph in your book, I'm sure. <laughs> But apart from that, you know, not really. I've been super, you know, it's taken me a long time to do this. And I think a lot of folks, there's a lot of other walkers doing certain things. And, but there's a very, very, very big difference to walking the roads, um, especially in places like the West Coast of Scotland and the island, than it is actually sticking to the coastline. It's a different world altogether. Um, and that's why it's taken me so long to get around, because Jet and I haven't stopped. Um, we, we I haven't gone home or anything like this. Well, I'm actually homeless, but... I haven't gone home or or done anything like that it's just been full on the entire time and we're still well three years and a month into it so yeah it's quite crazy really but fortunately because of the way that I, I approach this and I take my time on the really hard bits and I don't do it like uh, so many times how many miles do you walk a day you know where do you sleep do you plan this and I just listen to my body and you know put the bag on make sure I've got food and make sure Jet's got her food and I can forage if need be and that, that's what's kept me pretty much injury free all the way through this because if I feel tired there's no agenda to get somewhere and um, as long as it's somewhere that will keep us safe from the wind through Shetland I was having to camp making sure I was either near a cave um, or somewhere always as a backup even if it's under a rock because the winds up there are just brutal never known anything like it to be honest so yeah fortunately touch wood I've kept myself safe so far nothing drastic three years yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's some commitment, isn't it? Well, it, it, it's a commitment into life, but it's still a, you know, a considerable amount of time, isn't it? It really is, yeah. I, but I, you know yourself, mate, how long did it take you to, to run? How, how long did it take you to do that? 36 days. But I bet those 36 days, you know, apart from it being really hard towards the end, I suppose, how kind of quick does that go when you have the mentality of oh. one day at a time? One yeah. day at a time, sorry. To me, it doesn't seem like three years because I approach this literally one day at a time and that's it. So, yeah, just keep the ball rolling. As simple as that, really. Yeah, I wasn't when I set off, Chris, it, I, I didn't even think about the running. I'll be honest. I, for me, I just wanted the kind of. I don't know. Spiritual is the right word, but the kind of spirituality of, of trotting down a country, finding yeah. a nice campsite for the evening, set myself up, getting some yeah. food on the go. And just having that me time, really. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's completely that thing, isn't it? It's, it's never the, the destination, it's the journey at the end of the day. Listen, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not even massively keen of walking. Um, not in the slightest, but, you know, what I get to see, where I get to camp, the good times, the bad times, you know, it makes it all worth it. And, and you know that from what you just said. So, yeah, that, that's the difference, isn't it? In fact, I can't stand walking. <laughs> I wish Scotty could just beat me up. Do you... 
prefer it on the I'm guessing some stretches have been on the road um, yeah yeah you have to be do, do you prefer it on the road or on the trail oh, absolutely on the trail but once you start getting say say Fort William um once you get up past Fort William Scotland becomes slightly different than sticking to the coast because there are no trails and um, you know you, you'll go around big sections very very few have, have walked um in fact as far as I know nobody's ever actually stuck to the actual coastline um, itself all the way through the west coast of Scotland and the islands um, and, and yeah for me the scary parts were the best you know looking down some of the coastline it's just mountains and there's no paths nobody can tell you because a lot of the routes people do are trails through the mountains if that makes sense they're following a path through you know following cairns and and this stuff but I didn't have any of that and those those were the places for me I, I don't like being on the roads at all um, and I try to avoid them as much as I can unless I need to get to a shop or something drastically. So yeah, it's just been coast, but only roads when we genuinely are on the coast and have to be. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I like to be out in the middle of nowhere and, and really working for it, you know, because that's they're the places where all the wildlife comes into its own. You know, I spent lockdown um, on an uninhabited island off the west coast of uh, Shetland. Um, and people would, you know, oh, I can't believe you're doing that, it's crazy. But I'll tell you, mate, I was going out in the evening every night around seven o'clock, regardless of the weather, just on my own little island where all the wildlife and all the birds, something that I've totally fallen in love with, and just listening to them all. You know, I can name, not name, but I know what a bird is just by the sound of it now. I couldn't tell you the names of any of them, but just by listening, because I've got nothing else to do. There's no TV, no distractions. So, yes, like you said, it's, I don't know if spiritual is the right word, but certainly um, I've learned so much about myself being on my own all the time. It's, it's quite wonderful, actually. I'll advise it to anybody. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, yes, ditto. I, I had the opposite thing, though, because I had so limited kit. I tried to go up the West Highland Way. Yeah. You yeah. heard of that, right? Yeah, now. yeah, of course. And as soon as I went off road, the it was torrential rain and wind. Yeah. <laughs> and then you really got to stop considering hypothermia you know yeah, go, yeah. going down because you're I'm, I'm on my own i've got a lightweight rain jacket there's only so wet you can get before you just can't re-dry yeah. and yeah. if the tent gets sopping wet through and i found myself pining to get back on the road yeah nice sure. and safe you know and i could yeah, safety net. If, if necessary i could flag down a car or something yeah you, you, you nailed something there as well the difference when you said that you were on your own it's really hard to explain because most people let's be honest most sensible people um when they go hiking they'll, they'll go with people a group of people or somebody else or something like this and the difference between doing that and having somebody else there if something was to go wrong and being completely on your own you know all you have is you and um, that that is a different ball game altogether and i'm sure you'll agree um, but again, I think that's where the real test comes in and where you really find out about yourself and you know what sort of minerals. We can all sit there and turn around and say, yeah, if this went wrong, this is what I'd do. But until you're actually in that position, you're never going to know, are you? Mm -hmm. So, yeah I, yeah, I think being on your own is just a wonderful thing, you know, as long as you know what you're doing, obviously. <laughs> that's why I only pack for emergencies, Val. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, did you have to come down the A9 then? Is it the A9? No, no, not, not at all. Um, so I haven't done any roads. Um, well, I haven't for a very long time because um, there is none. You can literally follow the coast. I mean, okay. where the farmer's fields are, you've got the, the A9 is probably about 400 metres off the coast. And then there's farmer's fields. And then there's a gap maybe about two, two metres long 
you know, on most of the points where you're by the side of a fence and obviously the cliff edge. And me and Jet are literally doing all the ins and outs and everything like this. So, um, yeah, I'd never go and walk on that A9. No way. Not a chance. I'll take my chances with the cliffs. <laughs> At least I'm in control. Of. It was lethal. Absolutely lethal. One thing I didn't realise while I was up there, I was trying to find camp spots that were kind of secluded, not because I didn't want to get in trouble with a la with a landowner, yeah. right? It wasn't until I finished my run that oh, someone, someone said, "You know, it's all free land in Scotland. It's, it's the right to roam. Common land, right? So whereas camping is illegal in England, which is just the most stupid, only." Only politicians could come up with that. Really. Oh, there's about a million homeless people everywhere, you know, but we're not allowed to camp. Yeah, it's people listening. You might think I'm joking. No, it's illegal to camp yeah. in the UK. Yeah. In a national park, you can stay one night as long as you move on and don't have yeah. a fire. The rest of it, they just expect you to go in a, in a campsite, right? Yeah. Really? How, how can you teach your boy how to be, become a man in a, you know... You can't make fires, nothing, can you? It's just ridiculous. But mm. Scotland, yeah, has the right to roam, which means you, you can you can basically go anywhere, um, you know, under as long as you're respectful and everything like this, you can. Coming up through England uh, and, mate, the places that I slept is, is unreal. I slept in graveyards. Um, I slept in roundabout centres in the middle of a roundabout. I even slept in a petition in the middle of a dual carriageway just to not be caught. And, you know, going to camp, camp it really late at night so nobody can see you and then getting up before anybody else's. And they seize you and stuff like that. And I'm going to have a huge shock to the system once I hit England uh, and I have to start sneaking around everywhere again. It's quite scary, really. <laughs> I think you'll be all right, to be honest. You always do find somewhere. Yeah. Um, oh, there's, listen, there's always a way. I, I know that. Um, always a way. I've got a lovely following now as well. So people have been offering me gardens rather than oh. doing that and stuff. So that, that's going to help massively. But, you know, I'm making a point of camping. I don't stay in houses. Um, yeah, so we'll see. A new challenge altogether and can we give a shout out to the scottish people because they were so kind to me up there i i do you know pal and this is not between me and you obviously because we're doing a podcast but i don't think i'll ever live south of scotland again just they are such beautiful people yeah. it's so laid back and I'm, I'm so in love with all of the islands and those smaller communities and yeah i mean please shout out away because i'd like to do one after because they are something else i would go in a shop to you know get a sandwich or something and when they ask what you're doing and you explained and you know i've got to find a campsite for someone to put the tents and they'd be like oh you can put it in my garden if you like yeah you know none haven't never met them before do you know what i mean something. and if the the place i really found touching I, i'm and I'm, I'm not sure if you'll go past there but it was Lockerbie. I can't. I can't think geographically where where it is. That's on the west coast, Lockerbie, isn't it? I, I'm sure of it. Um, because yeah, coast, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. You don't go right past. You go past it, but it's a little bit more inland. If I because I remember somebody telling me that Lockerbie was there. If people are wondering why my geography is bad. It's like I told you. I had a compass. As long as it pointed south, I ran. <laughs> when I saw the sign for Lockerbie, it was off the road. It's like a, a slipway. You've got to leave the. Um, a whatever it is and, and yeah. um, go into this village and because i'd seen the air crash disaster on tv as a growing up I just felt massively drawn to yeah. just just go and see this place and yeah again for people listening it was uh 
it was a Pan Am airliner full of people on its way to New York um, that was blown up over Lockerbie and the wreckage rained down on the village. So to put it in context, it's a peaceful, quiet uh, Scottish village, incredibly friendly people, all living the sort of community life. And suddenly one night, all hell breaks loose and this, you know, tons of airliner comes down on their village, obviously dead bodies, yeah. you know, hanging from the bloody rooftops and everything and villagers dead themselves. And when I went there, oh, you know, I just saw how friendly they were in the pub. All the girls, you know, the serving came over and asked me what I was doing. The landlord came over and said, where are you staying tonight? And I said, well, I'm not sure. He said, well, just put, put your tent next to the, you know, next yeah. to the pub. And, and I just sat there thinking, my God, especially when I went to the re re memorial garden the next day and I read all the, all the memorials, which was just really kind of emotional. And I'm not yeah. usually that kind of person, but. When you see it for yourself, isn't it? It kind of brings it home a little bit. You know. Yeah, it, it brought like seeing it all on the news and all the documentaries that's been made. It kind of just like brought it through you, you know. Yeah. And um, I just remember thinking, God, you poor people, and and you've got to live with that, the the legacy of that horror. The name Lockerbie is just synonymous with that. Yeah. And that's none of your faults, you know. Yeah, um, it is for me. Absolutely. Imagine that being asleep at night time and suddenly something like that happening. So it's not even you kind of think about it. But I'll tell you what, did you find, right, something like that, Chris, it just made me more determined to smash my life, you know? Of course, I went, at a, a, not a similar story, but another disaster story, and it was really poignant to me, it was um, in Lewis, and we were actually there with Prince Charles, it was the first time that they'd done um, a memorial for a ship called the Ilea. Now, this ship had just come back from the Second World War, I think as far as, forgive me if I'm wrong, don't quote me on it, but I think they were torpedoed a couple of times on the way back. Um, you know, it cut long story short, they've been there for four years, they're coming back to, to a small community. Um, let's put it this way, taking men away from a village in a place like Lewis in the Outer Hebrides is the entire population of men. And this ship came in, the families, it was on New Year's Eve, one o'clock in the morning, well, New Year's Day even, one o'clock in the morning. Um, and literally the, the, the captain messed up and, and hit a rock literally about 150 yards from the coast where all the families and, and nearly killed all of them. Um, and yeah, that, that to me was a really sobering to have actually been there and been around people. A load of the um, Hebridean ladies had to migrate, basically go abroad to places like Canada where they were Gaelic speaking as well um, because they, they couldn't upkeep their crops and lifestyle. So it changed everything and it changed everything. And, and yeah, watching and seeing something like that I don't know what it does to you inside, but when you're actually there and you feel it, um, oh, absolutely, it drives you and drives you even more to think, you know, why am I even complaining when something like this has happened? Let's just get on with yes. this. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Chris, are you visualising your end? It's starting to get to that point, I think, where um, I'm realising that that is going to happen soon because this part of the coast is going to be a lot, I wouldn't say easier, but certainly physically easier and faster because it's straight, it's so straight all the way down rather than all the locks. and. So yeah, I all I know is this, um, this has been a stepping stone for me. I found my thing in life that I love doing. 
um, you know, you'll agree with this. That was all because of taking a risk and a chance. And I would never have been in this position otherwise. And I think I'll continue, but onto something else. Yes. I think, I think for you, it's, it's certainly a lot more about it is the journey. Whereas for me, it was like, I've got to do, got to do this. And it's quite a thing to set yourself. I set myself, I wanted to run an average of an ultramarathon a day. And I was really fixed on that. And so when I left John O'Groats, which incidentally was just wonderful. I was just running along without a care. And, you know, yeah. you'd think you'd be stressed and worried. And I, I was complete opposite, right? I just was so happy to get on the road. And all I allowed myself to think about with respect to the, the logistics of the trip, the actual, you know, mileage was meeting my little boy to run the last hundred meters. Oh, that's amazing, mate. You know, I wouldn't that's let myself, amazing. wouldn't let myself think about anything else. Wouldn't, yeah. just, that's all I visualized was that. And, and when it actually came to fruition, as you're going to experience, it's just magic. Oh, mate, I don't know about you, but I think I'm just going to have a massive man cry. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what a lovely moment that must have been for you, pal, you know, achieving something like that. And it keeps it simple, doesn't it, when you've just got that one focus, one goal, that that's what you want, and keeps it very simple. But, yeah, I think there's going to be quite a few people down in Swansea there to, to, to watch us come in. So, I don't know, I think I'm just going to have to cross that bridge when it comes to it. <laughs> No, my luck, I fall over and break an ankle in the last 100 metres. <laughs> ben, you crawl. <laughs> I've got my teeth, mate, I tell you. I've got my teeth in my hands. Well, most of them. Have you done that thing where you have a day where you just get angry at everything? Oh, yeah, totally. totally. Like the road, the track, the bloody sheep. Yeah, but but it, but it always means something, doesn't it? Usually for me, that means um, that I'm just tired or not realising, I suppose. Being determined and wanting to continue all the time can, can be a bit of a nightmare sometimes. But, you know, now that I look back on it, um, I think the difference between doing something like this is, is the time scale. You know, I was very much, when I first started, racing through it. And, you know, it was much easier to do that through the coastline of Wales. But really going for it, but after such a long time of doing it, it's now... It's more of a lifestyle rather than a, than a, well, it has to become more of a lifestyle. And, and that's kind of chilled me out a lot more. So I know now when to take breaks and stop, um, you know, getting myself into that position. But listen, my biggest problem on this part of the coast uh, in Orkney was cows. They don't like dogs, especially when they're carving. So jumping over barbed wire fences, electric fences, getting electrocuted, jet getting electrocuted all of the time, all summer. Um, become a little bit unfunny. <laughs> I remember crawling underneath uh, an electric fence because I was too sick of trying to get Jet over there. And I was going underneath and I was getting zapped on the chin as I was trying to push her through. And I just laid there, mate. I'm pretty sure I had a little man cry. Just like, what's this all about? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> when there's a road 10 metres in that direction. Yes. And have people, have many people come and walked with you? Is that something you like or is it something you prefer they, that they they didn't not at all i mean i'm really happy for people to come and walk but if you want the honest truth chris and um, where are you you know i'm not just saying this the parts of scotland that i've been going through it, it would have taken some seriously experienced walkers just to have um, navigated themselves around it so i had one guy in the hebrides malcolm x forces wonderful wonderful man come and do a huge stretch with me it was like a 
110k of just barrenness basically and we did that together but otherwise um, most of the parts that i've been doing um yeah have been pretty pretty tricky you know there's no roads no paths and um, just scaling around the edges of mountains and and stuff like this so I, I part of me would feel a massive responsibility if i had somebody with me um doing those sections so i think now that i'm on this east coast part you know, let's see how COVID goes, obviously. But now that I'm on the East Coast, then, yeah, I'll definitely have a lot more people come walking. And uh, be, it'd be nice to have the company. As you come through England, you you experience a lot more, especially from the veterans community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's already happening. You know, I'm getting messages and, you know, stuff from, from battalions down south saying that when you get this way, can we come and walk behind you? So I'm really excited to, to be doing all of that. Um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, considering I've just been on my own all this time. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to yes. be really cool. I had this um, rule I used to just say to people, just don't, people would try and help you cross the road. I hated it. Yeah. 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 They grab your arm. It's like, right. And I'm just like, just, just. Yeah. It's, 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 I, I, it's your journey, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. your journey. And it gets frustrating when people try telling you to go here, go there, go do this, go do that. It's like, no, just leave me alone. I'm all right. <laughs> Especially when you've almost, you know, I mean, Coming into Land's End, I'd already run a, almost a thousand miles. It was like, I'm okay, I, I, I've i got this. <laughs> People are trying to stop the traffic. I'm like, no, just don't do that. I'll run across the road when I need to. It, it, I know what I'm doing. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to sound disrespectful. I'm, I'm very grateful. Um, well, that's it. They're only caring, aren't they? They're yes, only I, I have a lot of support, especially from veterans, especially from the Royal Marines. Um, yes how what's your um fundraiser up to now so i am on 156,000 now um and that that's all come through social media all come wow. through social media so when i hit these bigger parts now where there's more cities and towns i'm really going to start plowing you know and, and trying to get more donations in but at the moment all the donations i've had have come from them um, you know doing news or tv stuff and stuff like this so yeah, I'm really looking forward to being able to actually physically doing something about it. When I say physically, I mean actually going into places, meeting people, raising money and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I've set myself a new target for quarter of a million and I'm not, I'm not going to stop until I get it, to be honest. Oh, you're, you're, you're going to blow that out of the water, Chris, I'm sure. That's a phenomenal amount of money. It's going to help so many people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a, that, that is just the nicest feeling, I think. You know, there have been times in this. I've never thought about quitting. And I want to be honest, that isn't me being arrogant. Not once have I ever thought I'm going to stop this. But there have been really, really tough days and stuff like this. And, and I often have a check on the website and just check how much I've raised and, you know, look back on some of the comments on my page. And, and immediately it's just like, yes, OK, let's go again. Next. Yeah. <laughs> how can people donate? I mean, I'm obviously going to put the link for your charity page below our YouTube video. OK. I used to just say, Folks, if you can give a fiver, that's all I ask. You know, you don't don't feel because you can't give more that oh, I'm not gonna. It's like if everyone gave a fiver, my God, it 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 would re really help. Am, am I right in saying that? Well, I'll give you the perfect example. Um, I've been without a tent now for for a little while and without a roll mat. Um, a lovely lady here, Lisa, and her partner Lee. Um, you know, basically had a chat. They didn't tell me about it. And they done a little thing where they, they basically raffled um, and everybody was just given like two, three quid or a five or something like that. And now I have a new, um, well, I'll be having very, in the next two days, a brand new um, 400 pound tent and a 200 pound roll mat. Um, so absolutely every little helps. 
Yes, brilliant. One hundred percent. Chris, can I come and join you when you hit the southwest? Um, I'm down here in Plymouth, so we're on the coastal path. Um, oh, you know you're so welcome. Of course you can. It'll be absolutely uh, uh, awesome. It'll be absolutely awesome. We can swap stories down there as well. Pat. Yes, I'll bring my camera out, and I'm, I don't know if my producer can come over because he lives in Belfast, but. Um, Marty, hello, my my Netflix producer, which I'm very hello, Marty. How are you, pal? <laughs> very very proud of. Um, but yeah, you on Netflix? Uh, Marty's on Netflix. He's um, yeah, he's um, uh, he's a very accomplished producer. Let's let's wow. just, let's put it wow. that way. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. He's for anyone who wants to get in touch with Marty. By the way, his link is always below the YouTube video. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, let's do that. And I'll see if I can get some of the, um, you know, the, the Marines to come out with us. And That'd be awesome. And, uh, That'd be awesome. I, I'd really love that. I've got a few uh, Marine mates myself, so uh, we'll get them down. Uh, that'd be awesome. We can go and do, maybe get a couple of days worth of walking and stuff in. Yeah, we'll, we'll, teach, you, we'll teach you how to yawn, mate. That's... <laughs> None of this cabin nonsense. You notice that genuine laughter, mate. You notice that. <laughs> oh, Chris, I'm going to cut you loose. Okay. Um, walk that way, or I don't know, maybe yeah. that way. Um, <laughs> give all of our love to Jet and yourself, mate. Thanks, mate. Um, and all my love to you down south. And, you know, I really look forward to seeing you. Yeah. I really can't wait. One absolutely amazing man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, just, back up, just stay on the line, mate, uh, while I say goodbye to our beautiful friends at home. Thank you so much for supporting another fascinating episode of the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. If you could like and subscribe and consider the Patreon, uh, and we'll see you next time. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris Thrall. Thank you.